0: I want to preach this third week of greater things. So what happened last week? Y'all messed me up in the nine o'clock service. Y'all must be like going in on your worship because uh, as I was getting ready to preach, I'm telling you last week, the spirit of the Lord hit me and it was just like Saul and David and yesterday's anointing and today's anointing. Yesterday's man, today's man. Yesterday's woman, today's woman. Yesterday's church, today's church. And I believe with all of my heart and I declare over the house that I'm thankful for 63 years. We're going to honor 63 three years we 're going to celebrate sixty three years, but in the name of jesus we 're not yesterday 's church we 're today 's church. God has greater things he 's got more for us. Come on, if you but three of you believe that we 're going to be today 's church we 're going to move in greater things and a greater anointing, and so I want to preach that word. I want to preach about yesterday 's anointing. Or today's anointing. Before I do that, I got a, I got a bittersweet announcement. I don't know how else to say it. Bittersweet announcement. But we've got, so we've got a double retirement. It's not happening today. And so they're not in, in this service. They were in the first service. Um, but we have two, two of our pastors that have collectively put in in full time ministry i 'm not counting when they were teenager volunteering in ministry in full time ministry collective ninety one years ninety one years and ladies and gentlemen, that is pastor Pastor Marvel and Pastor Brad. So can we just uh, shout out to them? We love them so much. They have poured into us in amazing ways. So August 1st, August 1st, we're going to be celebrating them, honoring them. We'll get the word out how you can be a part of that. But we are just so, so thankful for them. You're going to see, I told Pastor Brad... um, because he's going to be still leading up some ministry, I said, Pastor Brad, you're going to still be doing everything. We're just not going to pay you. That's what retiring in ministry <laughs> means. And and uh, Pastor Marble uh, is doing. She wants to do some traveling and see family. I don't understand all of that, but but after 43 years of ministry, but but make sure that you uh, you reach out to them. They've had just such an impact on this church. But we'll let you know how we can how can we do that. We got to we got to we've got to ask ourselves these questions though about this this passage in John. This greater things passage is Jesus exaggerating or is he telling the truth it's an important question that we have to ask is he exaggerating or is he telling the the truth is Jesus talking to pastors or is he talking to me is he just talking is he talking to pastors is is Jesus talking to me and then we've got to ask the question is this just for inside the church or also for the marketplace and this Wednesday at 645, we're going to gather in this auditorium. Pastor Joe Phillips is going to be bringing the word. And this is going to be kind of like a combination. So first Wednesdays are, 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 are their Wednesday night at youth camp meets old Sunday night service. And we're going, to believe, we're going to believe for a new outpouring. We're going to believe for the power of the Holy Spirit just to come and to fill us. There was a, a team. I took 24 hours and I got up to the mountains and just did a, a quick prayer and fasting retreat. Uh, and, and thank you for those of you that were praying for me during that time. And I knew this was going to happen. I didn't connect the dots on the timeline. But there was a group of intercessors that just happened to be uh, gathering in, in the offices. And were praying for our team. And thank you so much to those of you that have been doing that. And so they gathered and were praying for the team. And, and uh, Pastor Gwen was with them. And she texted me. She said, hey, do you have a, a second? We just want to share something with you. And So I called them. And then kind of at the very end of what she said, she said, I had a little bottle of uh, anointing oil that was on my, on my desk, and I just used it all up. It was empty. And she said, she said at the very end, she said, Pastor, we, we refilled your oil. We refilled your oil. And I thought, I was thinking about that, Pastor Gwen. I was like, that's what Wednesday night is for. How many of you have used up a little oil in the last 14 months? Come on, you've, you, it, like you didn't do anything wrong, you just used up a little oil. We're believing that there's going to be a move of God in the house, that God's going to refill us. Maybe you are full to overflowing. God bless you, we need you here to pray for the rest of us. So y'all come on Wednesday and we're going to believe for greater things. It's going to be a, a powerful time. First Samuel chapter 16. So let me give you a little bit of the backstory. I, I, I shared just briefly in our prayer moment this uh, past Sunday, but let me give you a little bit of the backstory um, of this text. It wasn't too many chapters before where Israel had asked for a king, and where God said to Samuel, "I want you to go and anoint Saul." And it said that that Saul. Stood head and shoulders above the rest. Saul was like the original head and shoulders spokesperson. With all due respect to the great Troy Polamalu. And all the Steelers fans in the house said an amen. With all great, all, all due respect to Troy. Like Saul, Saul, Saul was the original head and shoulders. He Saul was anointed. He was called. Saul was used by God to do amazing things. And then. God told Saul, I want you to fight the Amalekites. And so this happened in chapter 15 of the book of Samuel. And so Saul went out and fought the Amalekites. And the Amalekites were a representation of evil. They were a representation of sin. And God doesn't take evil lightly. He doesn't take sin lightly. And so God told Saul, I want you to annihilate the Amalekites. In other words, God was saying, I don't want you to put up with just a little bit of sin, a little bit of wickedness. I want it all to be gone. Every sheep, every goat, every man, every woman, every like everything. I need you to annihilate all of these. And so I want to pick this up now in 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning at verse 7, it says, And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah, as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag and the king of the Amalekites alive. And he devoted to destruction all of the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. And all that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction." And it's because of that that when you flip over to chapter 16, verse 14, it says this, Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. It's one of the scariest verses in all of scripture to me. That here you had this man of God who was called. Here you had this man of God who was anointed. Here you had this man of God that was raised up to do amazing things. And just a few chapters later, it said that the spirit of God was removed from Saul. I just began to, to be burdened in my heart that I I, I don't ever want to be yesterday's man. I don't ever want to be yesterday's church. I don't ever want to depend on yesterday's move. I don't want to preach yesterday's sermons. I don't want to read just yesterday's books. I don't want to tell yesterday's stories. Like I'm thankful for them. But church, we must operate in today's anointing. We must operate in today's move. There is a new move of God that is happening. The Bible says that Behold, I am rising up. I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it, says the Lord. We have to be aware of what God is doing. If I were to ask you, if I were to ask you, hey, hey, tell me, tell me about your marriage. Tell me about your marriage. And you said, oh, pastor, we had the greatest first year anniversary. It was amazing. We went to, we went to Charleston. Pastor, we got some low country cooking, shrimp and grits. We went to the Isle of Palms. We walked, on the, we walked on the beach. Oh, I'm telling you, Pastor, it was an amazing first year anniversary. And if I followed up and just said, well, what can you tell me, like, how long have you been married? And if your answer is like 32 years... I would respectfully say to you, that's not the question. And can I tell you that I feel like there are too many Christians that are living in a past experience and trying to pretend like it's fresh in their lives. I'm not asking you like what God did in your life 13 years ago. I'm not even asking what he did in your life 13 months ago. I'm asking what is God doing in your life today? Are we operating in today's anointing? The, the title of this is a little bit bit strange. My subheading to this is a little bit strange, but I, I want to tell you how to lose the anointing. This is how to lose the anointing. Like there's a lot of things you can do to operate in the anointing, to grow in the anointing, to gain the anointing. This is how you lose the anointing. And we learn this from the life of Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Number one is this in verse 12. Number one, if you make it all about you. If you make it all about you. So Saul comes to Samuel... Saul comes to Samuel. By the way, if God is constantly having to send people to check up on you to make sure that you've obeyed, you may not be in like great spiritual condition. So God is telling Saul to do something. He's like, then he's telling Samuel, go check up on my boy Saul. And so Samuel comes and he, and he walks in. And the first thing that he sees in verse 12, it says, And behold, he, he here is Saul, he set up a monument for himself. I'm just telling you, if you ever walk into the auditorium and there is a statue of Pastor Doug right here, you can turn your little self around and march right back out those doors. Like Ichabod, the glory has left the house. If we make life about us instead of about the ministry that God wants to do through us, the glory of God will leave us. The anointing will leave us. And I know we don't set up monuments to ourselves on purpose. But I wonder if we set up monuments to ourselves accidentally. If our bank account. Monuments to our bank account. Monuments to our career. Monuments to our children's success. Monuments to our own opinion. And suddenly before we know it. We are worshiping at the altar. We are worshiping. I'm telling you we have a culture that is worshiping at the idol of their own opinion. Rather than the word of God. And the glory of God and the anointing of God will not be upon you. It will not be upon you if you are worshiping at the altar of your opinion more than the ministry that God wants to do through you to reach lost and hurting and broken broken people. Second thing is this, we lose the anointing when we keep a sheep. So Samuel then comes up to Saul and he says, uh, hey Saul, God told you to destroy everything, right? Yeah, and Saul's like, yeah, everything. Everything, we destroy, destroyed it all. And, uh, and Saul's response, even like, it's real, it's real holy. It's, re- it's real religious. Pastor Kevin, he says, he says, Saul says this, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Can I just tell you, parents, if you say to your kids, did you mow the grass? And their response to you is, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the command," Something's up. I'm just telling you right now, something is up. You can't clothe your disobedience in religious pretense and spiritual language and expect God not to notice. He sees through it. He sees through it every time. Kate and Anna were, my, my kiddos were about four and two at the time, and uh, my wife was on the phone, and they'd, they'd snuck off to the refrigerator because she was in the other room, and they opened the refrigerator, and they got out a jar of chocolate icing. And they took that jar of, don't encourage my children like that. <laughs> they took that jar of icing into Anna's room, and they, and they hid behind the curtain. <laughs> Like, no, and no utensils. I mean, just, just, and Camden walks in and she pulls back the curtain. And if she would, I don't think they denied it in the moment, but if she would have said to them, I'm sorry, did you fully obey the commandment of the Lord? And they said, blessed be you in the name of the Lord. We have not eaten the chocolate icing. Well, you're, the circumstances around your mouth area are telling a different story, right? Like, so, Y'all, Saul is a grown man. He is king of the nation and Samuel says, "Did you kill all the sheep?" And Saul's like, "Yeah, pretty sure I killed all the sheep." And Samuel says, "There is a then why do I hear sheep?" Like there are literal sheep just b- Bleeding in the, in the background. And can I tell you that sometimes that we can put on religious airs and false pretense. But the sound coming from the hidden places in our lives betrays us. Can I just ask you today with the love of a pastor. What's behind the curtain? What's behind the curtain? Because I want you to operate in the fullness of your anointing. And sometimes what can happen in our lives is we can clean our hearts the way our kids clean our rooms we cannot clean. There is a difference. Y'all, there's a difference between cleaning your room and moving your mess. Come on, I'm about to, I'm about to help some marriages out there. There's a, there's a neat one and there's a messy one. There just is. Go ahead. Neat people, I want to just give you the satisfaction. Just point to the messy one right now in your household. You can go ahead and just, we got, we got double pointing go, going on. There is a there is a there is a proper way. There is a proper way to load the dishwasher. Come on, some somebody help me preach this. There's a proper way. You don't just throw in you don't just throw it in there. Like there's a there you cuz you want to maximize the space. So it's like a game of Tetris. So you don't take your lasagna pan and just throw it on the top you like there's a, there's a there's an order to this some of you some of you are remembering your your college days with that with that one roommate like there is a there's a difference between cleaning cleaning your room is picking up all the dirty clothes and putting them in the hamper cleaning your room is putting away the games back in the containers they came out of Cleaning is throwing the trash away. Cleaning is taking this trash out. Moving your mess is taking the clean dishes and dirty clothes and putting them in one pile. Uh, moving your mess is taking that pile and throwing it, pushing it underneath the bed. Moving your mess is, is opening your dresser with one move of your arm, sweeping all the stuff in the dresser. You've lived with that roommate. You've lived with that person. In our lives, there's a difference Between going to the Lord and cleaning our hearts and just moving our mess. And what Saul had become an expert in... It's just, I'm I'm just going to move my mess because Saul cared more about what he looked about and what, how he looked in front of people than how he looked in front of the Lord. And when you care more about other people's opinion, you'll just move your mess. Uh, So I want to look good in front of my kids. So I'm just going to move my, I'm going to move my mess. So I look good in front of my kids, but now I got to go into a meeting and I want to look good in my, in front of my boss. So I'm just going to move my mess. And then I'm going to church on Sunday morning. I don't want the pastor to know about the hidden sheep that I got going on, on my internet browsing history, even though you put Google in incognito mode, I don't want anybody to know. And so I'm just going to move my mess. And here's what happens. When we move our mess, we eventually get found out for the fraud that we are. But before you feel guilty and before the enemy tries to put shame on you, what you have to know is there's another sheep there's another sheep. So if you've been trying to hide a sheep in your life, you got to know that there's another sheep. you got to know that there is a perfect lamb of God who's taken away the sin of the world. You have to know that there is a savior who died for you and you don't have to move your mess anymore. You don't have to live in shame anymore. You don't have to live with that thing hidden in your life anymore. If you will just take it before the king of kings and the lord of lords and say, God, I'm sorry. God would have forgiven Saul. God would have, if Saul just would have said, oh, I, me- I messed up. I got a sheep back here. God, I'm, I'm so sorry. You told me to do something and I didn't fully obey. And if you would have stepped into obedience, I'm telling you, there's so many people that are living with unnecessary guilt and shame in their lives. You know, I, I, on this Memorial Day uh, on this Memorial Day weekend, I'm reminded, I reminded—I picked this up a couple of years ago. It's—it's it's George Washington's farewell address to the nation, 1796. Pastor Justin's in the house. He's a history guy. He's a uh, 1796. George Washington gave his farewell address to the nation. It's really interesting. On this Memorial Day weekend, George Washington warned our nation, if you do these four things, the nation will collapse. Number one, if you set up a two-party system, and that two-party system hates hates each other, the nation will collapse. Number two, if you go into debt, the nation will collapse. Number three, if you lose your morality, the nation will collapse. Number four, if you lose your religion, the nation will collapse. There's a little bit of a sermon. Here... But here's what I don't understand. Do you know that in the Senate, every year on George Washington's birthday, they gather in the Senate, they dress up real nice, and they make a ceremony out of it. And do you know that a senator reads this word for word every single year? Forgive my bluntness, they put on a religious ceremony and read the words, and walk out, and most of them go and do otherwise. And a nation can't stand like that. But before we get real high and mighty, I wonder sometimes if the world looks at us and says, we don't understand how you read this thing on Sundays, and walk out and do something else. Let's not do that, church. Let's live this thing. Let's live it. Let's let our lives be a testimony that the Word of God is alive, that there is an anointing upon us today, that we want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the obedience of the Word of God. I don't want to lose my anointing. The final way that Saul shows us that we lose our anointing is that we make excuses. <laughs> We blame others and have a victim mindset. Here's Saul again. Saul, hey, hey bud, you got, you got a lot of icing on your face. And you're, you're hiding behind the curtain. And I hear the sheep. And then this is Saul's response. Saul said, my brother got the icing and he force fed it to me. Well, that's not exactly what he said, but he might as well. <laughs> Saul, the king says this. He says, they. They brought me. They they brought them for the Amalekites. And then he says, the people. It's the people who spared the best of the sheep and the oxen. And here Saul begins to live in this. He's blaming other people. He's living in this, this blame. He's making excuses and, and blaming others. And he has this victim mindset. And You know, an eight-year-old who blames the referee for the loss of the soccer game becomes the high school senior, who blames the science teacher for his grade, who becomes the college student, who blames the church for their lack of faith, who becomes the graduate, who blames America when they can't get a job, who becomes the husband, who blames his wife for the lack of fun and spontaneity in their marriage. I'm telling you, this blame and victim mentality has to stop. It's got to stop. It's not going to get you anywhere in life. It's not going to help you. It's not going to grow you. I'm not saying that you've had a perfect life. I'm not saying that things haven't been done to you. I'm not, I'm not saying that you haven't been wronged. I'm just saying that it's time to grow up and man up and woman up in the name of Jesus and take, just take responsibility for the sheep and admit it to the Lord and say, I made a mistake. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. But I'm so encouraged here in 1 Samuel 16, 1, because here's what happens. When the nation, when the nation is in distress, and when leadership, it seems like leadership is leading everybody away from the people of God, and when it seems like there's no hope, this is what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 16. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, How long are you gonna grieve? How long are you gonna grieve? Maybe the Lord is saying to the church, How long are you going to grieve? since I have rejected him from being king. But now he says this, fill your horn and oil with and go. What we have to understand, that there is always a David generation. There's always a David generation. There's always somebody else that God has his eye on, that God has his hand on. There's always another generation that God is calling, that he is raising up that says, I'm gonna use this man or woman of God to lead the people of God back to God. In 1961, there was a young Bible college student in Wales, and he left Wales to go back to his home town in Germany. And on his way, he took a self-guided tour through England, and he came across the home of an evangelist, a famed evangelist at that time in London by the name of George Jeffries. There was a little nameplate on the gate. Bible college student, I want to read you as he tells the rest of his story and his own words. He says, there I rang the bell and a lady opened the door. Pardon my intrusion, ma'am. Does, does George Jeffries live here? Yes, he does. Can, can I see him? No, under no circumstances. She had hardly said no when I heard a deep voice from within the house say, let the young man come in. I stepped forward, took his hand, and introduced myself. And I told him I had a call of God on my life to be an evangelist, to preach the gospel in Africa. That I had been to college in, in Swaznia, I was at Bible College in Wales, and was now returning to Germany. And what happened next was extraordinary. All of a sudden, he took me by the shoulders and fell to his knees, pulling me to the floor with him. He placed his hands on my head and began to bless me as a father blesses a son. As Abraham blessed Isaac, who blessed Jacob, and on and on, the room seemed to light up with the glory of God as he poured out his prayer over me. I don't remember the words with which he blessed me, but I do remember their effect. My body felt electrified, tingling with divine energy. After about a a half hour, he finished, and I stood up and helped him to his feet. He seemed very frail. We said goodbye, and the lady came and escorted me away, and he could hardly stand, nor could I, but for different reasons. Church, that young man went on to become one of the greatest evangelists that our generation has ever known. His name was Reinhard Bonnke. Some people called him the Apostle of Africa. And when he left that house and got on the train and got off the train and talked to his father, his father told him that when he got off the train, George Jeffries had just passed away. That was probably the last prayer that George Jeffries prayed was laying his hands on the next generation and believing that that call and that anointing was transferred onto him. Reinhard Bonnke went on to pray preach. Stadiums filled with people, hundreds of thousands of people in Africa. And I wonder if once again, the Lord is looking out over our teenagers, over our sons and daughters, over the next generation, over elementary school children. I wonder if once again, the Lord is saying, where are people with the heart of David? Where are worshipers? Where are warriors? Where are people who are seeking after? We can choose to live in the past and we can choose. There is a time to mourn after Saul. But there is a time then to pick up the mantle. And the Lord is saying that I am gathering the horn of oil again. What if the Holy Spirit is even now moving over kids world? What if he's even now moving over our youth and just saying, I'm going to anoint somebody new. I'm going to anoint somebody fresh in the house. What if these summer camps this summer are part of the Lord raising up another generation of David's? church can we be a part of that can we be a part I'm telling you as we bless forward to the next generation the Lord will bless us Samuel Samuel was anointed powerfully by the Lord all the way through his life you know what Samuel's ministry was you know what it was? It was just Samuel, Pastor Justin. Samuel was a youth pastor. That's what he was. He just kept raising up the next generation. He just kept raising Pastor Nikki. Samuel was a was a kids pastor. That's what Samuel did all his life. He just kept raising up the next generation. He just kept pouring out on the next generation. There are different ages and stages to that, right? Sometimes it's as a youth leader. I don't want to ever do that again in my entire life. I've done every retreat and breakaway. I don't want to. I don't want to ever do it. But I'll give now. I'll give and I'll, I'll, from a different seat, I'll raise my kids or a, a, a bit of, uh, then I can be a grandparent. Like we can all, we all have a different part in this, right? Like maybe it's, maybe it's paying for somebody else to go to summer camp. Maybe it's being a volunteer in kids and youth ministry on a Wednesday night. Maybe, it, we, maybe, maybe you're a teacher. Maybe we all have a part in this, but church, if we will operate in the Samuel anointing, that's the key. So how to, gain, how to lose the anointing, be like Saul. How to always operate in the anointing, always pass on to the next generation and bless the next generation and raise up the next generation. And this has always been a Samuel church. And if you're going to commit, if you would just commit to saying we always want to be a part of that, would you stand to your feet and just say, God, we want that. We want that Samuel anointing in our lives to pass on to the next generation. God, I thank you, Father. I thank you for the history of Multiply Church. So we've always been about the next generation, but I pray, for that first Sam- I pray for that Samuel anointing to come upon us. That we would preach and bless and raise up new ministries for the next generation, oh God. And I pray that you would now choose some Davids to raise up, to anoint, to bless so that we can carry this forward in Jesus' name.